All right. Well, hello, everybody. This is Kirk Cabana, and welcome to this week's episode of Pursuit for Purpose. Thank you to everybody that is listening here live today, and to those of you that are listening to this on the recording. This week, we're going to be discussing having a mindset for excellence. For those of you that don't know, Pursuit for Purpose brings the world's most passionate athletes and coaches together in this community environment, just like this, to encourage our goals and aspirations. By helping provide the teachings and the principles of the greatest minds before us, the people around us will receive the foundations to build the rest of their lives and become champions of character. This week, we're joined by Dr. Jesse Michelle. Jesse has an amazing background, and I'm so excited to dig deeper into his experiences so that we can all learn together. Jesse's a certified mental performance consultant via the Association of Applied Sports Psychology and listed on the United States Olympic Committee Sports Psychology Registry. Jesse was the mental skills coordinator for the 2017 MLB World Series champion and 2019-2021 AL champion Houston Astros. Prior to working in professional baseball, Jesse spent four years working for the United States Army as the lead master resilience trainer, performance expert at the Comprehensive Soldier and Family Fitness Training Center in Honolulu, Hawaii. In his role, Jesse provided hands-on training and self-development tools so that members of the Army family were better able to cope with adversity, perform better in stressful situations, and thrive on and off the battlefield. Jesse has a PhD in sport and exercise psychology and a master's degree in counseling from West Virginia University, also has a master's degree in exercise and sport sciences from Ithaca College, and a bachelor's degree in psychology from the University of California, San Diego. Please welcome me in joining Dr. Jesse Michelle. Jesse, thank you so much for being here. Really, really appreciate it. Hey, Kirk, thank you so much for having me. And for those of you that are listening live and for those that are going to listen on recording. Uh, I can't thank you enough for the opportunity. And I'm really excited about tonight's conversation. You and I had a chat, a chance to chat a little bit earlier this week. I got to know you. I'm excited to get to know you a little bit more and, and for the audience to get to know about me and my experiences and hopefully share some, uh, some insight into how we can mentally train for a mindset of excellence and how to perform more consistently on the field. So thank you very much for that introduction. And I can't wait to get started. Uh, it's my absolute pleasure. And, you know, I, I can't, you mind if I start, start off with a little bit of a selfish kind of softer question? Of course, this is this is your uh, your stadium, brother. <laughs> I'm, I'm the visiting team here. Go for it. Please tell me the experience of getting to work in Hawaii doing mental skills training. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'll be honest. When I was up for that job interview, after the interview, they said, look, man, we got a couple of different options. You can either go to Fort Drum, New York, or you can go to Honolulu, Hawaii. And I sat there and I did everything I could not to jump out of my seat and make it sound like a really tough decision because Fort Drum is essentially Alaska East, right? Uh, and, and so it, it was just a phenomenal experience to be able to, to go and work with our military members, uh, you know, if, if there's something for those of you that are that have had the experience of walking onto an installation or working with uh, soldiers, regardless of branch, uh, there's something purposeful, meaningful. Uh, and you, you talk about one mission, obviously, protecting the interests of the United States. It's, it's a very special gig. I didn't take it lightly, um, so much so that, you know, my my wife is uh, is active duty as well. So now I'm a, a full part of, of the whole experience and 
you know, couldn't be more proud to have had that opportunity. I love it. I love it. That's a, that's an awesome experience. I'm sure you got to have indeed. And sorry, I had to start it off with that, but just hearing about that and, and learning more about it was just so mind blowing that, you know, we, joke about all the times the beautiful places that the game of baseball will take us sports will take us in general following your passion will take you you know you got your passion to follow you and take you right into honolulu hawaii so i think that's that's pretty awesome yeah it's one of those right place right time a lot of luck on your side and uh, it was a fantastic place to work i still keep in contact with everyone that was in our office we're you know we're colleagues but we're also friends and it uh no, it was it was a unique experience because we were setting up the site. So the six of us and our, our training center manager and uh, our admin that that worked there, we were kind of all figuring it out together. And I think, you know, if there's any coaches out here listening, um, you know, it was almost like putting together a staff and figuring, all right, what are the strengths of each person and, and what are our responsibilities and how do we really make this the best site that we can? And it was a phenomenal experience. Awesome. Well, I'm going to get right into it for us. So you've had an amazing career to date, you know, from working with professional athletes of a lot of different levels, different sports to the U.S. Army and so much more. You know, please start us right off with telling us what having a mindset for excellence means to you and why you've brought this great organization to life. Yeah. So for me, a mindset of excellence is really about a daily commitment to uh, taking ownership of your beliefs the way you talk to yourself and a strong understanding of how our story that we create in our minds and how we perceive the world and how we explain the things around us and how we reflect and our own self-talk, it, it creates our reality. It creates our emotional experiences in the world. And as athletes, uh, you know, as an athlete, as a competitor, your, your emotions do matter. And, it, and it ultimately it impacts our performance and the level that we can be consistent with our performance. And, I think for everyone that I've had the pleasure and the privilege to work with, um, there's, it's, it's about understanding for them what does excellence look like? Uh, what are their habits? What are their routines? What are the things that the goals that they're trying to achieve? What are their, I like to call them limiting beliefs and what are their limitless beliefs? So helping them figure out what's allowing them to work closer to those goals on a daily basis, what's getting in the way of them, uh, you know, working closer to those goals on a daily basis. And excellence, I think, is, is in the eye of the beholder. Um, you know, surely, depending on the industry, you know, regardless, you're going to have outcomes. You're going to have uh, goals that you have to meet if you're in, in the workplace or if you're an athlete, whether it's a high school athlete or college athlete or you're a coach, surely, obviously, their the performance does matter uh, and metrics do matter. But as far as how each athlete defines excellence, um, that really should be and needs to be a conversation uh, between you know yourself and the athlete. And you might have a definition of excellence as a program. You might have a def definition of excellence as a team and as a, a coaching staff, but it's okay for each of your athletes to, to define their excellence in, in a different way, in a way that's meaningful to them because we all go through this, this journey of life with different experiences and different backgrounds. And we're all prepared to, to make these changes, whether it's in mindset, whether it's behavior changes, whether it's in uh, changes in relationships uh, at different times. And, you know, kind of included in a mindset for excellence is a, an ability to reflect and be aware of what is your readiness for change? What are the 
obstacles that are getting in your way, whether it's personal life, professional life, um, what are the, the, the changes in the, the contacts or relationships you need to make that are going to help support you? So that definition can be different for everybody, depending on what stage of your career you're in or what stage of your uh, profession you're in. But for me, it starts with helping folks define, uh, you know, what are those limiting, what are those limitless beliefs that are going to allow you to reach your goals? Awesome. I love that you repeated that because I have that written down right here after you had said it. Limiting beliefs and limitless beliefs. That, that's just such a, a beautiful aspect of what we do know. You know, we the battle going on between the six inches, uh, you know, between the ears is the toughest battle that we have to face. Um, what what is what are your own limitless beliefs? My own limitless beliefs, man, that's a that's a good question. And it's I'll be honest, it's hard for me. One of my own personal core values is um, to to be humble uh, and to to demonstrate humility. So it's, it makes me a little even uncomfortable, I suggest. But that's where, you know, there's growth, right, uh, is getting comfortable being uncomfortable. So I think one of my limitless beliefs is that I, I have a strong, strong belief that I will figure it out. Um, I don't know when I'll figure it out. And this is in, res in response to problems or conflicts or, uh, you know, figuring out how do I get to the next step, either personally, professionally. Um, I, I have a, a strong core belief that I will stick around long enough and be creative enough in resources or connections or making conversations or doing the, 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 the dirty work to get me where I need to go, that eventually I'm going to figure it out. Um, and I, I think you know, that allows me to sort of have hope and optimism when I need it. That allows me to, uh, when I do achieve, you know, a goal that I set for myself or kind of the next benchmark, um, sort of an assurance that, that yes, that, that was true. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to, to have uh, some amazing experiences early on in my career, definitely could not have done them alone. And don't, don't sleep at all on the folks that have helped me get to this point. Uh, and they're part of that, you know, helping me figure it out. So I think that's one of my limitless beliefs is I just think that at some point, whatever it is, that's the challenge that I'm facing, I'll figure out a way to overcome it. Beautiful, beautiful. And especially for athletes and coaches and anybody with, you know, that's taking on a growth role. I think that's so important to, to have to hear and, and to know that you need to need to take that in as, as something that can make a positive impact in your life and know that <laughs> a, a, a studious doctor who's had uh, numerous master's degrees, a doctorate, uh, you know, all the education, all the experience, you're still telling yourself you're, you're still working to figure it out. So, you know, it's not a path that once you get there, you quit, you know, it's, it's getting to that point. And now you can see farther of what you can still do and what you still believe is, is ahead of you and what your work is capable of doing because of what you've learned and studied. Absolutely. And it's a great point. And I think there's always going to be that next challenge, you know, the next opportunity that regardless of what experiences you've had, uh, you know, or what, whatever education you may or may not have, or whatever else is on your, your resume, not allowing that to necessarily define you and being creative in how you're going to set yourself up to have success or accomplish the goal or, you know, solve the problem that's, that's sort of facing you, not only in your professional life, but in your personal life as well. Uh, and so just this kind of inherent belief, and, and I think it's important to note that as part of the I'll figure it out 
kind of limitless belief that I have, it also comes with the caveat that it's going to be hard and uncomfortable. And there's going to be days or weeks where it feels like I'm never going to figure it out. Right. But it's just kind of that, the, 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 I'll call it like the seeing through the fog um, and, and knowing that you just kind of keep, keep working and, and keep pushing and eventually a door will open or an opportunity will present itself that you could have never envisioned. Uh, you know, and any, if that's your student, if you're a player, you know, this is a, a, a good, really good uh, kind of foundational belief system for, you know, high school players that, that may not have the, the recruiting interest that they think they should have or that their, their, their other players that they're playing against might have. Or if you're a college player and you're not getting the playing time early on in your career that maybe you were promised or that you think you should get. Or you're a coach and you're, you know, early on in your career and it just seems so overwhelming and there's these coaches that are doing all these great things with these great experiences. It kind of just comes down to the daily discipline of, look, I got to put in this time. I have to figure out what my path is going to be. And it, it's not going to look the same as everyone else's path. And that's because my background is different and my experiences are different and how I make sense of the world that got me to this point is different. And so it's okay to create your own journey and your own path. And that goes to like, all right, you're, I, I just have to kind of keep, you know, the, the baseball term, right? Keep grinding. But in a way where, you know, we use that term, it seems like that's, uh, that should be on the, on the top of every clubhouse, just like you got to go through the grind. Uh, but even saying it like that, like there's having pride in that, that I, I enjoy going through this because it's, it's not that I have to, it's that I get to do this because I know it's leading me towards something down the road. That's, that's awesome. I really appreciate you expanding on that more. And I'm going to ask a pop culture question. They'll usually go down this road, but look, there's a really teachable moment in this for those that are willing to, to learn from it. You know, I know it's something we've all heard about maybe a little bit too much right now, but I want to ask a question that goes deeper than the surface level with the Will Smith situation at the Oscars. Why is it so hard for us to have excellence in all areas of our life? Man, good question. And obviously a, an incident that has kind of taken the, 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 the world by storm here. I'll say this. I, I, I'm not going to speak to the Will Smith. I, I won't speak to Will Smith and Chris Rock directly. Maybe we'll, we'll table that for one second. So the first thing I'll say about the, the general situation um, is you never know how you're going to respond when you know what hits the fan, right? We all have, a, what's the saying, you know, in war, everyone's got a plan until the first bullet's fired. Uh, you don't know how, how, how you're going to react until you get punched in the mouth. And I, I don't know the, the level of stress, the level of um, everything that, that was on, you know, Will Smith's plate. I have no idea. Was that an appropriate response? Uh, of, of course not. Um, I, I think everyone would agree and he would agree that he should have handled that differently. But to your question, you know, what's preventing us from having a mindset for excellence in all areas of our lives? Um, I don't know that it's, I look at it a little bit different. I don't know that it's necessarily black and white in that regard. I, I see it more as, look, there are going to be times in your professional life where things are rolling, where opportunities are coming left and right, where you know, you're, you're a baseball coach. Every sign you put down in the third base coaching box is executed. You know, your players are, are performing at a higher level than you ever expected. There's going to be times where you're going to have tough stretches where maybe, you know, your job might be on the line or you might have to, 
to take a, an opportunity somewhere else or, and in your personal life, it's the same thing. There are times where the relationships in your life, man, it, it feels like things are rolling, like you're in flow. Uh, there are, and then there are times where it just feels like you're grinding through it. So I, I take it, I take the, I, I take the, the stance that it's about being able to recognize that, look, the, the highs are great. The lows aren't as great, but eventually things are going to even out. And it's about finding calm and finding stillness in the chaos when it's at either extreme uh, and and working on yourself, figuring out because what might work for you in your personal life does, might not necessarily work in your professional life. So if you're somebody that feels like you need to uh, put on a different hat or have a different set of, of values or you know match the the mission or the the culture of the the job that you're at, uh, not that you're going to uh, excuse your own moral or ethical or value system. I, I would never suggest that. I, I think that creates for a very tumultuous experience as a professional. Um, but if you need to adapt or you need to open your, your mind to, hey, maybe I need to think about some things differently. And also, it's okay to, it's okay to, 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 to tread water for a little bit. You know, I don't know that it's realistic to, to have a excellence in every area of your life all the time. Um, I would love to meet the folks that do that. Uh, I think there's a lot of folks out there that would like you to believe that, 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 they, that they do that. Um, and, and they've written books and they, they, they have, they have pop. But I think the folks that are, are comfortable being vulnerable and recognizing and admitting, like, I don't have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. I, I, everyone that comes into my life, I can learn from and I can take something from. And it's okay to evolve because what you might think is excellence at 18, surely you will not think is excellence at 25 or 35 or 45. So as you evolve as a person, as a human being, as an athlete, as a coach, as an executive, as an administrator, uh, that definition of excellence should be evolving. Uh, and how you, how you measure yourself against that standard that you're setting. That's profound, uh, especially just demonstrating that awareness that our our own definitions of everything that we encounter is going to change as we grow older and, and it leads right into the next question of why is it that adversity seems to play such a large role in eventually helping us find that determination for excellence yeah adversity a lot of times will lead not a lot sometimes if you're fortunate adversity will lead to an aha moment and you're ability to overcome the adversity and it's it's a lot of it is your perspective on just how big you know is it a is it a, a molehill or is it a mountain this this wall of adversity that you're walking into and what might be a molehill for you might feel like a mountain for me and based on my own beliefs and confidence and and my own understanding or uh, you know, we call it self-efficacy, right? The, the ability that you believe you can accomplish whatever is in front of you. Um, and then how you do that and how you process it can, can unearth and can allow you to kind of step into these aha moments that change the way that you relate to the world around you or the context that you're in or the environment. Sometimes, you know, as coaches, I, I think that we should do a better job of providing aha moments for our players. I think it's responsibility number one is to create an environment where each of our players can experience as many aha moments as possible under our tutelage. Because 
that allows them to shift their perspective. They start to think about things differently. It's a very visceral reaction. And as far as adversity and challenge that that athletes or coaches uh, or executives or soldiers go through, um, it sort of reshapes the way that you interact with the world. I, I really believe that. It kind of makes you step back and say, wow, this thing that I assumed and believed for so long is not really the case. And, and I'm actually, I'm well equipped to handle it and I can share that experience. And now, you know, in, in the military world, if you have ever been to a, a formal military affair, you know, these, 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 these men and women, they, they show up and they're distressed to the nines with these shine shoes and these immaculate uniforms and these just brilliant hats that they have caps you know, that, that they wear. And then on their chest, they have all these little pendants and, and flags that sort of represent all the things that they've accomplished throughout their career. And I sort of see as we overcome each element or, or, or each experience, we overcome that adversity. Uh, it's sort of like a patch or it's a pendant that, that then becomes part of our identity. I, you know, if you ask 50 people out there, you know, what's the biggest piece of adversity you've had to overcome. And, and, and then the next question is, how has it shaped your life? My guess is you're not going to get many answers for the second question that are, oh, it really hasn't shaped my life at all. You know, it doesn't have any impact, this huge adversity that I overcame. It, it's, it's a seminal moment in a lot of our lives, whether it's professional or personal, it could be something that happens at five years old or 10 or 15 or 25. And hopefully these moments occur concurrently and hopefully they're consistently occurring and we put ourselves in positions uh, you know to, to feel these aha moments and to, to overcome adversity. Uh, on the flip side of that, I, I would I would guess that there's a as you get older and, and you become a little more mature and, and develop perspective, I'm sure we all look back to those moments of adversity that we didn't overcome. And you know there's two ways to think about it. Number one is now, I wish I could have overcome that. Had I known then what I know now, surely it would have been an easier path. Surely I wouldn't have been in such a rough place. Surely I wouldn't have made an embarrassment on myself or, or whatever. But I would argue the other, that you, might, you probably wouldn't have ended up where you did if, if you had conquered that at that moment at that time, because it's part of your, you know, the, the game of life, that, that board game, it's one of your pieces on the board. I think that's, that's a really really self-aware to be able to to give us that knowledge that we're actually probably going to learn more from the adversities that we didn't overcome that will give weight towards the future decisions that we make but it, it is it is difficult to swallow in the moment when you feel like you may have failed yourself but the important thing is just like you said to use that self-awareness of your past experiences to make sure that we don't stumble on that same roadblock again Absolutely. And there's going to be, depending on the emotional attachment to, to the adversity that, that you didn't overcome, there's going to be a, a period of, you know, I'm just sort, sort of thinking back to some, some examples in my life that stand out, a period of whether it's despair or grief or disappointment. I think also recognizing that, that that's okay, right? I, and part of my philosophy or my approach as a, as, a, as a practitioner, as a coach, is sort of rooted in this idea that, you know, when, when you do experience emotions like that, to, to learn how to sit with them, uh, to be mindful and to recognize that, 
they don't necessarily need to define you, but they're serving a purpose. Uh, and to, to sit with that emotion and kind of understand what's driving it, because what you think is initially driving your emotional response, especially when it comes to, to adversity and challenges uh, and, and kind of failing or falling, there's typically more underneath the surface there. And really to, to be a steward and to be a coach, I think part of our job is to, you don't, you don't need to have a, a PhD to help somebody try to figure out what else is contributing to kind of the space that they're in. It's just about listening and empathizing and, and asking questions. That's awesome. Uh, Jesse, you've, you've shared about, you know, having a mindset for excellence, talking about adversity, talking about limiting beliefs and limitless beliefs. I want to know what's your purpose? My, my purpose is to provide athletes and coaches with the information, the skills, and the empathy for that when they do get up against some adversity or they're, they're, they're underperforming or you know, their belief system isn't aligned with their goals and what they want, I want them to feel prepared. And the purpose for me, I've told this story many times uh, on podcasts and in conversations, what I do is very personal. Um, I have, a, I have a, a, an emotional, a personal attachment to the field of sport and performance psychology. I was one of those athletes that when I was up against what I would consider in hindsight, sort of my biggest challenge, I failed and I didn't have the skills to overcome that, the mental skills. Um, I, I think, you know, on the field, I, I, I could have held my own this example that I'm thinking back to, but in hindsight, I wasn't equipped with, with the mental skills to cope with the environment and the culture. And, uh, you know, my performance suffered drastically because of it. My grades suffered drastically. My relationships with my teammates and my coaches suffered because of it. I lost the love for this, this sport. That was, you know, my whole identity is as a as growing up. Um, and so that experience it's very personal and to provide athletes and coaches with the, the tools and the skills and really the empathy to know that they're not alone. This is a very human experience. You're going to, whether I don't care how good of an athlete you are at some point, you're going to struggle. I don't care how advanced and genius as a coach you are at some point you're going to struggle. And so are you equipped and have you set yourself up to be able to, to cope with and manage that adversity and thrive through it? Um, and, and have the right perspective. And so that's, that's really my purpose. That's awesome. I, I definitely had to write that down, but the information skills and empathy, you know, just to be prepared for, for life and the situations you're going to be in. I think that that's really, really powerful. Uh, I wanted to ask, uh, look, you, you've worked with some amazing professional athletes. You've seen the benefit of what training the mental side of the game can do. Where would you like to see mental skills training go when it comes to athletes? First and foremost, I'd, I'd love to get to a point across sport and, and not just sport, but the, the support staff, coaches, front offices. I would love for there to be a, a clear understanding of the scope of the field of, of, of mental health, mental awareness, and mental performance. And, and, and who is qualified uh, to, to actually do some of the work um, what you should be looking for in professionals that are going to be able to help you in this space um, and, and really understand sort of how 
the professionals in this space can help support your coaches and your athletes. So that's that's sort of number one is 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 educating the consumer. And I think we're getting there. I think you see more and more front offices, more and more college programs, uh, more and more uh, opportunities in the military and business. And, and the field of, of performance psychology and sports psychology is very much becoming a part of the conversation. Uh, and and it, it, it has, it's sort of, you know, a lot of times in our field, we, we make the comparison to strength and conditioning where maybe in, you know, the, and I'm not a, a CSCS. So for any strength coaches listening, please uh, take this with a grain of salt. I don't know the entire history of your field. This is not to, to I'll probably get something wrong here, but if, you know, for the first, maybe 70s, 80s, it's not a really clear understanding. Now you see, you, you can't go into a professional or collegiate, even a high school locker room without knowing, all right, who's our strength coaches? Who's our directors of sports science? What are their roles? You know, who's our data analysts? Um, and so really to have an understanding and an education from the consumer, I think is number one. Um, and then on the, the athlete and the coach side, I would love to see more integration from and this is our our responsibility as practitioners and as coaches and and that's how i see myself as a as a coach to be able to to to, to bridge the gap where the mental skills coach or the mental performance coach it, it, it's not like they're isolated and they're in the locker room where they have their own office just like they're a hitting coach just like a pitching coach a strength coach to be integrated throughout um, all elements of of your of your program your player development system um, and to, to have that professional or whoever is, is in your resource list sort of top of mind and, and, and somebody in your contact list that, that you can leverage their knowledge base and their skill set. And I, I, we, I know we, we did a really good job of that uh, with the Astros, just integrating when I, in my, during my time there, uh, integrating throughout all elements of the system. And it's really about education because you can't you ask a hundred players or a hundred coaches or a hundred soldiers, hundred business executives, you say, so how important is the, the mental aspect of, of your job? If you find somebody that says, you know what, man, it's not really important at all. Look out. Uh, I, I think everyone understands that, that this piece is important. And just like every other aspect of player development and performance, you're, I, I, am, I empower, I hope that coaches are out there reading, you know, books on mindset, on performance psychology, on cognitive psychology, and, and they're doing, you know, their, their due diligence and building up their own skill set and being able to speak the language. But I, I know that when, when coaches are comfortable and when they're engaged in having conversations with, you know, mental performance uh, consultants or coaches or professionals, it just makes the athletes experience that much better. So I think as a field, we have a lot of work to do, but that's something that, that I know that the Association of Applied Sports Psychology is pushing. Um, it's nice to see sort of the, the trend in, in jobs and opportunities across disciplines, but I know we have a lot of room to grow. You, you mentioned working with the Astros, which I know just had to be a phenomenal experience to get to be around that kind of level of athlete and, and people that, that you see go to work. And we know that mental skills development to some people can be a stigma in, in some ways. Without naming any names, do you have a, a particular story of a player that finally gave in, 
that was against it and maybe came around to it and they saw themselves benefit from putting to use some mental skill development? Yeah, so there, there are dozens of stories, I think, of players that, and, and regardless of what level you're at, high school, college, pro, and it's not just mental health or mental training. Like I, I came across players that didn't trust athletic trainers or that didn't want to go work out in the weight room or didn't want to do, you know, plyo balls. Like I, I sort of see it in the same sense that, that you're always going to have players that question that aren't ready to, to introduce, you know, this sort of training into their, into their program. Um, and it's our job as coaches, as practitioners to help bridge the gap. Um, like I said, in, in the, in the previous, uh, response, um, it's our job to educate um, and, and help players know and, and realize that it's not personal. I mean, everyone has different levels of readiness and whether you're maybe, you know, early on in, in, in my, in my tenure with the Astros, maybe I walked into a room where there hadn't been any players that never really faced adversity on the field, because a lot of times at the pro level, it's obviously the, the best players at, at the amateur level and the most athletic and, you know, maybe they were always the highest performers in their league, but inevitably, man, that first short season in Tri-City or in Greenville, when those, those affiliates were live, or that first uh, short season, you know, last year in Fayetteville, these college kids, high school kids coming in, and, you know, they're, they're hitting a, a buck 10 with no homers after two weeks. Now, all of a sudden, they're going through the mental grind, and it's, all right, now I understand. So part of it is just kind of having patience and recognizing that, you know, in a, in a, in a major league baseball organization, you got 250 players, you know, there were, when I left uh, last year, there were, there were three or four mental performance coaches full-time. You can't be everywhere. You do your best to, to cover everyone from the major league team all the way down by developing relationships, by working with coaches, but there's only one of me and there's, there's six different affiliates. So a lot of it is about timing. A lot of it is about Kind of keeping track of, of guys and seeing, hey, who's struggling? What are you hearing through the grapevine? So there might be opportunities there to sort of, you know, have the conversation when the player is, isn't really feeling or playing their best. But on the flip side, there's also opportunities. If a guy says, hey, Jess, I'm good. To me, that's a great invitation. Oh, that, that's awesome. T tell, me, tell, me, tell me your mentality. Tell me your approach. What do you do on the mental side? You know, how do you how do you develop the, the, uh, a competitive mentality, a mindset for excellence? Tell me what it's like when, when your, your confidence is really high, because there, there's definitely something to learn from that. So, you know, there, there's not really an ego involved at, in, from my perspective. If they're saying, hey, I'm not really into this, I, I, it's not like I take it personally. They're just not, they either don't know enough about how, you know, or when we can add value. Um, what they've gotten to this point has probably worked for them. So I want to find that out anyway. Uh, and to really uh, understand, you know, maybe what's driving that response. Look, there have been times where I had uh, had a player say, look, I don't trust you. Somebody that was in my last organization, uh, you know, I, I had a confidential conversation with them. They went to the coaching staff or they went to the front office or my agent told me not to trust you. Uh, I've heard a lot of different things and, and I, I can't really take that personally, because that's their experience. So I have to validate that. Um, but, you know, typically when you ask about specific examples of players who have kind of come to the other side, 
that's sort of the art I, I think of coaching, right? Like it, I don't think it's any different as a, if you got, if you're a hitting coach on here and you're trying to help a guy make a change to a swing, I'm sure you've come across guys that were hesitant. And this definitely happens at the pro level, definitely at the major league level. Uh, if you're a pitching coach and you got a guy who, you know, isn't all, all, all that really bought into, you know, the slider grip change that you want him to make. Okay. You know, what, what's stopping him from, from really buying in uh, and really understanding what's driving that and recognizing it's probably not personal, but doing your due diligence to help them understand and, and put yourself in their shoes and try to bridge the gap as best you can. But I think that's par for the course. You're always going to run into folks that are sort of hesitant uh, or don't understand or just aren't, don't have the experience or, or the, the, haven't been educated on really what's the value add here and what exactly do you do? You know, are you going to sit me down on a couch and are we going to talk about, are you going to hypnotize me? I mean, people have asked that before, like, no, that that's not happening. Um, I'm going to be with you in the cage and listen to how you talk to yourself and the, and the communication you have with your coach. And I'm going to watch your, you know, how you respond. And then I'm going to watch on the field and how you perform and how you deal with failure and what do you do when there's a ball or a strike called on a, on a pitch you thought was a ball and how do you get to the next pitch and what's your process? And once, once you start having conversations like that, it's no longer threatening. Like I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not drilling into your mind here uh, and, and playing tricks. Like we're trying to get you to perform better and um, how you think. And, and that's all that this is about. I, I think that's really important to have, brought to light and and not say cleared up but just to paint the picture of 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 sometimes what it's not more than <laughs> directly what it is and it really is just building that communication building that relationship and that professional foundation to where you have another person in your corner that is is rooting for your best interest and maybe just giving you some tips to be able to head down a road that can serve you better because we have so many thoughts that don't serve us at all. Um, what, when it comes down to it, uh, what's, uh, what's step one in an athlete's journey for starting to bring awareness to their mental development? Step one, answering the question, when I'm playing well, blank when I'm not playing well blank I think that's step one because it's it's an interesting exercise because you get to see whether the player where they go with that um, most times where they go with that has to do with the mental game and it's a very easy like you could do this as a coach sitting in the bleachers in your high school team you know maybe you make it part of your study hall um, you know you have uh, one one sort of topic or question during study hall, 10 minute mental game chat. When you're playing well, blank. When you're not playing well, blank. And sort of see where they go and, and, and see how many guys go and my, my, my slider uh, you know, isn't, isn't as sharp. Or do they go to, I'm so locked in on the mound, all I can see is the gloves. Okay, now we can start talking about the mental game. I like that. I like that a lot. Very very simple and, and easy statement to just see where each individual's thought process goes. And, you know, look, you, Jess, you've lived this, you've learned it, you know it, you love it, but you're still a person just the same as us. You know, what adversity and battles do you face personally 
that allow you to share in that common connection with those that you want to help? Yeah, I think first and foremost, I, I alluded to it earlier, but you know, in full transparency, I, I, transitioning from high school to college was very dif difficult for me. So I've been in that space for you know my entire freshman year uh, as a redshirt, where it just felt like I was totally out of whack, and it, you know, it was coming off of a, a, a season and, and a summer going into college where I had never played better. So sort of the the yin and the yang to to being the athlete. I, I put athlete in quotes, um, not very athletic, admittedly. But so, so just being able to kind of sit and, and connect with that experience that at some point, every athlete's going to be there. You know, hopefully it's not for that long, but, um, you know, on the field adversity, I, you try to put, at least I do, I try to put myself in uncomfortable situations, still competing. Um, you know, I've, I, I, I play guitar. I, I like to play a lot of golf. Um, you know, work out, try to sort of create these environments where um, there's opportunity for failure. So you still, that, that sort of skill set is still there and you have to practice it. I think a lot of, you know, for me, it's practicing what you preach. Um, and then, you know, adversity in, in, in my professional life, you know, figuring out, look, pivoting, uh, I'll be transparent and vulnerable here, right? Pivoting from the Astros and sort of figuring out, all right, what, what, what am I going to do next? How am I going to do it? What is the blueprint? Um, what are the steps that I'm going to take to sort of walk into the next phase of my life? Um, and, and what's that going to look like has, has certainly been challenging over the last few months. Uh, and, and in your personal life, right? I, I think I personally face a lot of adversity. Uh, just, you know, I got two small kids. My, my wife is active duty. Um, you know, I think in any marriage or in any, in, in, in any family, um, you're going to have those challenges and that adversity. And so it's about being able to practice what you preach there as well. I think if you ask my wife, she'll say, I do a really poor job of that, but I'm, I'm getting better. Uh, and so that's, those are some of the things that, that stick out to me. I appreciate you sharing uh, sharing some of that vulnerability for ourselves. <laughs> That's one I always stumble across. But Jesse, we, we create big dreams for ourselves. And usually with big dreams means we have a big hope and big faith. How does faith play a role in developing our mindset for excellence? Faith plays a, a huge role. Um, everyone's definition of, of faith is different. Uh, everyone's experience of faith is different. Uh, you know, faith, spirituality, religion, core values, understanding your purpose, your why, I mean, all of those sort of topics and, 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 and different pillars could mean something different for other people. But regardless of, of how you define yourself by those sort of instrumental, instrumental pillars, um, they are, they do make up your reality. And so faith and having faith in yourself and, or having faith in a higher power or having faith in uh, whatever the, the God of the religion that you believe in, I, I think it is certainly important um, when it comes to resilience, hope, optimism, the ability to to know that, that you can get through this and that, and that there's a purpose and that you can survive whatever it is that you're going through. And when you're, when you're doing well and when things are going great, um, you know, maybe anchoring to that, that faith, whether it's, again, it doesn't necessarily need to be a religious. I, I don't believe, I think everyone, it's an interesting conversation 
with everybody is sort of, you know, where does that come from for you? And, and are you spiritual? And what does that look like? And for me as a coach, it's about respecting and empathizing and understanding uh, that everyone is right sort of where they're at. And it's not my job to, to tell somebody what or how to fa have faith in um, or to, but to really listen to them. And if that's part of their story, then man, we're going to leverage that. Uh, and, 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 and I'll know that, that that's important to the athlete and, and we'll, we'll develop skills and tools that, that pull on that, uh, and that anchor to that. I think that's great. And I, I know you talked about it a little bit in, in that, uh, that answer there, but you know, how do we connect with those that don't share, uh, share faith as a component to getting there, or just even don't share, you know, the same belief system in the means of getting to where we are trying to get as, as a group together. Yeah, that, that starts with having a growth mindset as a coach as to and respecting and valuing sort of the place that each of your players come from. I think it starts with uh, understanding that, you know, we all we come from different cultures, different backgrounds, different priority priorities and families um, and and respecting the space that people are coming from. And this is, again, my belief is that. Um, we can work towards a common goal, having faith in different things. And, and it's an interesting conversation because there, has, there, there probably is faith in something. Um, it might not be the thing that you have faith in, but my guess is if you're comfortable enough having a conversation with an athlete about what do they have faith in? Maybe they have faith in science, or maybe they have faith in their parents, or maybe they have faith in some higher being. I don't, I don't know, but certainly would be important to know, I would think as a coach, if you're trying to have an impact, trying to, trying to change your athletes' lives to know what, what do they put their, their faith in and allowing them to define that faith in a way that's meaningful for them and not, not projecting your own beliefs uh, and the way that you think people should think about the world. Again, that, that's my approach. I don't necessarily know that it's the right approach or uh, that it's, it's a good fit for everybody that, but in the, in the clubhouses that, that I've walked into and in the, in the, in the one-on-ones that I've had when somebody has openly and vocally demonstrated a, a different level of faith than I have, I, I really appreciate it because what it tells me is they're comfortable sharing who they are. And so I, I look at it in, in a little bit different way. I, I don't look at it as threatening. I look at it as we, we're all humans here trying to, to do the best we can in the time we have. Uh, and I better listen to what this guy or gal has to say. I think that's, that's really powerful, especially when you bring it from that perspective of not necessarily having to paint, paint it into a corner per se, but really just talking about what do you believe in? So I can connect with you as another individual to another individual. So I can help you walk down the path of whatever path you're, you're choosing to walk down. So I, I really appreciate you uh, explaining it that way. It really made some good connections to me right there. Yeah. Be, because it's really not about me. It's about the athlete and their experience. So if they, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll just get specific. If they um, have a faith or if, if, you know, they ascribe to, you know, a religion that I'm not familiar with or that I'm not a part of, but I know it's a big component of their lives and it drives 
their motivation and it, it anchors them and it, it, it's their why. I don't need to necessarily believe the same things or have faith in the same uh, things to, to be able to help them. I, I can still come across resources and books and videos and, and provide them with information that's going to connect with them, that's meaningful to them, that might help bridge the gap to something on the mental training side that they were struggling with. So in that way, I think it's really valuable to, to know uh, where people are coming from. And well said, well said, definitely. And look, as coaches, we see our players have peaks and valleys. <laughs> How do you help a player that's lost their confidence? I love, I love that phrase. Um, somebody says, well, man, I lost my confidence. Well, obviously the, the, the next question was, well, where did it go? Um, it's, it's a good question because it, it sort it sort of helps the athlete sit back and say, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's gotta be around somewhere. It's not like your keys that you lost. Uh, and so I'll, you, you, you hear them, you, you're an active listener. You, you let them sit in that for a bit, man, gosh, it must be tough. Like what's been going on the last couple games? Like what's different right now? You're not seeing the ball or the game's speeding up or you're swinging it a lot of pitches out of the zone. And again, we're using a lot of baseball uh, examples here because I think that's a lot of, of your audience. I know you're a baseball coach, obviously my background with the Astros, but if you're listening to this as, as some, as a coach from another sport, please sort of make up your own examples. So you, you hear them, you sit with them. You don't, brush off their experience because if somebody if an athlete comes to you and says coach i lost my confidence holy cow do they have trust in you like think about what it takes put yourself in, the, in a high school athlete's shoes to walk up to a coach who writes out the lineup card who basically owns their playing time for the next four years to be vulnerable and say i i, I don't know where my confidence is and really, that, that's, that's the term that they're using. That's, that's how they've heard it described by their teammates or somebody in a book or somebody on a TV show. But to me, after you kind of sit with them and, and let, them, let them word vomit for a little bit, for lack of a better term, by asking good questions and asking meaningful questions and really caring about them, that's a gift that they gave you that they came to you and said, I lost my confidence. Because they're not doing that to everybody. So it shows their level of, of, of trust in you. Now it's about unpacking, okay, well, where do we start? You know, what's talk, talk to me about what are you struggling with and try to get specific. Okay, man, I'm not seeing the ball well. So, okay, what can we do to, to get you to see the ball better? So that, that's sort of the first place I go to a lot of times will be, well, let's try to adjust your training program to fill in some gaps that it, man, my swing feels out of whack. I, I just feel like I'm really tense. Okay, well, let's talk about your walk to the plate. Let's talk about, you know, what you're doing in between pitches. Let's talk about, are you doing any visualization? Are you doing any relaxation or deep breathing? Are you, what's your self-talk in the box or in the on-deck circle? How is your tension level during batting practice or in the cages? When are you feeling most comfortable? So trying to figure out, man, are there times during the day where you do feel confidence? Oh yeah. When I'm doing soft toss in the cage, like I'm locked in, I'm seeing the ball I'm picking it up out of some, out of the coach's hand. Like I feel free and fluid. Okay, great. So you feel confidence in the cage. Tell, talk to me, help me understand what's different 
when the game turns on? Well, I start to feel pressure like I got to be perfect. Okay, well, now we're not having a conversation about confidence. We're having a conversation about perfection and expectations. And those are two very different conversations. And so as a coach, being able to, to sit with the athlete and then drive the right conversation is a pretty important skill. Uh, and so, you know, that, that's just one example of, uh, you know, of, of, of hundreds that, 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 that I went to, but that's where I could start. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And especially uh, when you talked about active listening and just really the, the truth behind a, a young man or woman or anybody in sports that wants to come to you, their coach and say, I'm lacking the thing that you probably want me to have the most. I think that is, is very important to, uh, to realize in that moment of how, um, how, how much they're, they're coming to you, just begging for you to, to hear them as a person and help them in the smallest of ways. It's a, it's a powerful and, and vulnerable moment that they're putting your, themselves in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one other question that I like to ask that, that gets athletes kind of thinking um, in a good way, because I think during the, during the moment of performance, you know, our goal is to get them to, to chop their head off and just compete, right? We don't, we don't want them to be thinking. And when, when folks are performing at their best, they're, they're reacting, they're athletic, um, they're in the moment. Uh, there's not much conscious thought at that moment. But one good question is, do you need to have confidence to compete? Do you need to feel confident to perform well? Because if you, if you do, man, there's a, a, there's a lot deeper conversation and more meaningful conversation that we should be having. Because if you think that every major league pitcher or major league hitter is confident all the time, you're out of your mind. They know what they're confident in is their process and, and the preparation that is going to allow them to believe that they are ready to compete in the box or on the mound. That's what they're confident in. Their swing is not going to feel a hundred percent, maybe other than like day three of spring training. No, sure. There's going to be weeks where they're hitting the, you know, the, they're scorching everything and there's going to be stretches where they can't miss a slider and, and they can just play, play darts from 60 feet, six inches. But if, if they're relying on that to, to perform consistently at a high level, that that's a really interesting conversation. Like when, when you don't have confidence, how do you compete? How do you perform well? What do you go to? That's really meaningful for a coach to ask. That, that really is. That, that seems, seems like a very, very deep dive into being able to figure out that connection of, of what's behind the athlete a lot more than, you know, what the sport matters. What, where are they coming from as a person as they prepare for that preparation of, of competition? So I, I think that that's awesome because we're all going to have completely different levels of what our training and previous experiences of competition was prior to that event. Absolutely. And in those moments, in those times that you don't quote unquote feel, or you're not thinking confidently because confidence is a, it's a mindset. It's a, it's a thought process. You, you don't feel confident. Uh, you think confidently and you feel fast or twitchy or you feel in sync or wh whatever else you want to describe. So how do you compete? I think that's that's a really important question. And, and what do you go to? You're, you have confidence in your process. You have confidence in your routine. 
And then you're helping the athlete get to a point where they're training themselves to be in the moment. Because in the moment, there is no thought. Being where your feet are, being in flow, being present. You don't have to rely on feeling or thinking confidently to perform at a high level because you can anchor to the experience. Well, talk to me about what it's like when you're on the mound and you're locked in. Oh man, like the fastball is just, I can feel it coming out of my fingertips across the four seams. Okay. So it really has nothing to do with what you're thinking. You're chasing that feel of being in the moment. Well, let's train that. Who cares what you're thinking or how you feel? What are, we, what are we trying to chase? How do we be in the moment? How do you be in the moment when you're in the box? How do you be in the moment when you're on the, the first tee? Uh, how do you accept that like that emotion, the kind of the butterflies in your stomach, that that's something that you can use to your advantage? You don't need to tell yourself, oh, I'm not ready or I'm feeling nervous. No, that's, that's a, a human response when we step into an environment that, that, that's meaningful to us. What do I go to in those moments? All right, let me go to my process. Let me go to, I want to be able to, as a hitter, man, I know that when I feel my coil in my back shoulder, that's what I'm feeling right before I take my, you know, my, my stride. So that's, that's what I'm feeling. And, and it has nothing to do with confidence because I know that when I feel that, my swing is going to be where it needs to be. So now you've evolved past, I have to feel confident and think confidently to perform well, to, to know, like, I want you to, to, while you're practicing, while you're training, to play around with these concepts and figure out how to get in the moment. So that way, during competition, when things speed up, you have something to anchor to. That's not about thinking. Because if you're trying to think and play at the same time, good luck. There is a time to think. It's between pitches. But if, if you're trying to think, if look, you talk to any pitcher, and hey, tell me when, when things aren't going well, what are you doing? Well. I'm, I'm very conscious of, of my rhythm and where my arm is in space and when I release it. And when you're not going, when you're going great, what's it like? I'm just up there firing. Okay. How do we get to that? <laughs> I, I, re I really enjoy that perspective of, of knowing that it's not time to, to think really when we're up there. The time to think is, is in between or just even the time to think a little slower or practice our breathing. And I know a lot of people even that might talk about maybe not necessarily enjoying some of this stuff probably accidentally practice it more than they think because they just have a different routine that they've never called it mental skills training or mental health development or any any kind of specification on the words that they want to use to describe it but as competitors we all do a little bit of something in some way even if we don't know it's just kind of trying to grow and expand upon these little things that happen naturally in competition absolutely and and to all your the players that are listening the athletes and, and your coaches what i found a lot that happens is, is players will get in these habits during practice where things are sort of going slow enough that if you're taking BP against a, you know, a pitcher, not a velo machine, but especially in a high school practice or maybe a college practice. And it's good that we're starting to train harder than the game, at, at least in baseball. I feel like we're sort of catching up with that, with that approach to training and development. But if I want, I want your, if you're an athlete out there, Take yourself back to the last time you were hitting in the turtle against a, against a pitching uh, against a coach. And they were just kind of throwing you 40, 50 miles an hour. You have plenty of time to actually think and swing. 
during practice. And if you're doing that on a field in the, in the same environment, in the box, in the dirt that you then need to be able to turn off your mind during the moment of performance, well, you're training yourself to think in that space. Now you're asking yourself under competitive conditions to get back to a point where you just sort of cut your mind off and you trust your body and you trust your training. That's going to be pretty hard to do. So are you in training and in practice integrating these concepts so that way you, they, they become automatic during competition? Uh, that's awesome. Uh, I, I really appreciate you taking your time with us today, Jesse. And I got one more question for you that I wanted to ask. We get to learn a lot through sports. You know, I, I see it as a beautiful vehicle to help teach us life lessons. What skills for life do you believe we learn for, uh, for life just by developing a mindset for excellence? You learn perspective. You learn patience. You learn where you're fallible. What environments sort of kick on that fight or flight response in a, in a very, like go from, from empty to full very quickly. You learn, you learn how the adversity you overcame can set you up uh, to have success down the road. And again, going back to your first question, I know we're up against it here, but you know, the, the definition of, of excellence is different for everybody. And that has nothing to do with outcomes or, or what you're measured on or stats or results or uh, performance measures, but really taking stock of how do you define excellence and how does it show up in the way that you think the way that you relate to others, the impact you have on others and your daily habits and routines. That's beautiful and well said. And, and before we wrap up here today, Jesse, again, I just really wanted to make sure to, to say thank you again for, for taking time out of your day and, and sharing with, uh, with the audience to be able be able to just get an ounce better in, in their perspectives of, of how they can help control what they can control and, and get a little bit better. And wanted to give you uh, the, the stage one more time to, uh, to just say anything else that you, you know, felt like maybe we didn't get to touch on that, you know, is important to you. And also to elaborate further on, on how everybody can uh, find your work and, and all the quality stuff that you've put out for yourself. Well, if you've listened for this long, and I see a couple of faces on here that have stuck with us the whole hour, thank you so much. Uh, I don't, I don't have much to add. I think we've covered a ton of, uh, of great topics. Hopefully, you've, you've gotten some value. I've, I've given you some ideas on how to integrate some mental training with your, with your athletes, with your coaching staff. Please, if you're listening to this live or you listen, you know, at a, at a later date, I love it. As you can tell, I love talking about this stuff. It, it brings me joy. It is my purpose. Please feel free to reach out anytime, however you want, uh, whether it means hopping into a Zoom with your team, giving you different ideas, uh, touching base with a player on your team that you think might be struggling or that, or that could benefit uh, from some work, or even giving you resources and, and books or journal articles or, uh, or drills or podcasts to listen to in addition to this one. Uh, this, this is what I love to do. I love to talk about and uh, I have a strong passion for it. So thank you so much for the opportunity, Kirk. Good luck with the rest of your season. Uh, those of you that are listening, thank you so much for listening. I see there were a couple of Astros that, that popped in, some former coaches and players. Uh, miss you guys. Love you guys. Can't wait to touch base down the road. Uh, and thank you again so much. And have a great rest of your, your day.
Absolutely. Jesse, thank you again. Thank you everybody for being on. You know, one thing I want to want to say to everybody is a quick actionable request is look into some kind of journaling, some kind of gratitude journaling, some kind of expression of yourself where you can start getting some of your thoughts down onto paper. It goes a really long way towards uh towards just getting things out it can be a cathartic experience for yourself and another fundamental tool to start start building things that uh maybe you didn't know you need so appreciate everybody's uh time today and and jesse again thank you so much and look forward to uh continuing some conversations with you great thanks so much Kirk. take care